This is a Soulfire production. Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is going to give you full body chills. I just wrapped up this interview and I still have goosebumps on my arms. I am so excited to share this interview with today's guest, Coop Blackson. He is an inspirational speaker, a transformational teacher, and best-selling author. You can check out his books, You Are the One, and his latest book, The Magic of Surrender, Finding the Courage to Let Go. He is a member of the Transformational Leadership Council, a select group of 100 of the world's foremost authorities in the personal development industry. He's also the winner of the 2019 Unity New Thought Walden Award. He is considered a next generation leader in the field of personal development, and you are going to feel why. You can just feel when someone is living their mission, is living in alignment, and when he speaks, you feel the divine move through him. His mission is to help awaken and inspire people across the planet to really access their own inner freedom, to live authentically, and to fulfill their true life's purpose. And we dive into that from so many different angles in this episode. We talk all about what surrender really means. We talk about how to access truth, tuning into your inner truth, tuning into your intuition, the courage to release things that aren't serving you anymore, how to tune into what your purpose really is. And Coot shares his own journey following this path. He is such an interesting story. He grew up with a father who was a minister, a preacher, a miracle healer. And Koo was expected to follow that same path and take over his father's ministry. But he knew that wasn't his mission. And so he talks about finding the courage to share that and to go a different path. And, you know, what happened after expressing that truth and following that truth. And we talk a lot about how that feels when there's something right in front of you and you know, you could be successful at it, or you know that other people think it would be great for you, but your soul is telling you no, and you don't always know why in that moment. And we didn't get into this story in this episode, but I've heard him talk before about basically having this whole opportunity to have a big talk show, like all set up with, I believe it was Fox and in his gut, just knowing this isn't the right fit. And he turned it down and, you know, turning down a big opportunity like that. I think it just speaks so much to how he really does follow his soul and follows the mission, even when it doesn't make sense. And that's what it is to follow your intuition. You don't always understand why you don't always understand how it's going to work out. And it makes no logical sense. And it can really push on your ego. And I know in my own life, as I've shared in so many episodes, there have been so many decisions I've made where my mind is telling me, why are you doing this? This doesn't make sense. But my soul is telling me something else. And I don't always understand why, but I just follow it. And it always works out and leads me to exactly where I want to be and how I want to feel. He has been public speaking, speaking in front of crowds since he was literally eight years old. And you can tell like, this is really what he's here to do. And I know you guys are going to just feel the energy, feel the frequency transfer and have so many aha moments through this episode. If it does resonate with you, he has some really incredible offers that he shares more about at the end, some different free offers, and we're going to put all of the links for those in the show notes. You're definitely going to want to get your hands on his latest book, The Magic of Surrender. You can just search it on Amazon and he is doing a paperback release on May 3rd, but you can pre-order 
now. And if you do get your hands on that, there's going to be a really exciting virtual experience available to you. So all of the links will be in the show notes below. I know you're going to want to just dive into all of his content after you listen to this episode. So without further ado, here is the incredible Coot Blackson. I am so excited to announce that my new book, Manifestation Mastery, How to Shift Your Reality and Co-Create with the Universe, is officially available for purchase right now. This book is a really comprehensive guide to manifestation and how the energetics of attraction really work. It is the perfect resource if you are ready to really learn how to raise your frequency become truly magnetic, and make manifestation your lifestyle. If you really want to understand how manifestation works, I highly recommend checking out this book. The book is a completely channeled text and is super activating, so only get your hands on it if you are ready to truly shift your life. As always, I am so grateful for all of your support during this launch, the way that this community has supported me. It truly, truly means the world. And I really couldn't have done this without you. So thank you so much for that. And as an extra thank you for anybody who leaves a review for the book on Amazon, you can submit that at manifestationmasterybook.com and get a free bonus chapter that goes along with the book that no one else has access to. So if you want to be one of the first people to get your hands on this book, Manifestation Mastery, and if you want that free bonus chapter, just head to manifestationmasterybook.com and you can find all of the information there. You can head straight to Amazon to find the book as well. When you get it, be sure to tag me on social media at Christina the channel so that I can see that you're reading it. I can see which parts you are loving and I can repost you and say thank you so much for supporting me with this book. And if it does resonate with you, tell everybody you know. Let's spread the love. Let's spread the high vibes, all of the manifestation magic. That is my goal with this book. So again, all information you can find at manifestationmasterybook.com. And I can't wait for you to get your hands on this. So I like to start every podcast with a few questions just to get to know you on a more personal level. Are you ready? Let's roll. Okay, great. So the first one is, how do you like to start your day? What's your morning routine like? My morning routine. I, I don't know if I have a morning routine, but maybe I do. Um, <laughs> I don't like consider it like this rigid thing I have to do. But yeah. when I wake up, I like to be able to take about five to 10 minutes to come out of sleep very slowly. And that's very intentionally because I think there's something very powerful when you're in that sort of in between space and the filter between the conscious and the unconscious mind is very lucid. And so in that zone where I'm not quite awake fully and I'm not asleep, but I'm waking, I lie there and I may send energy to my day, have just some intentions for the day. I might speak to myself, speak to my inner child, you know, just kind of sit there and just listen to any of the sort of silent nudgings, intuitions that kind of get distorted in the busyness of the day. So I usually like to take about five to 10 minutes to do that before I wake up. Then non-negotiable is I will work out. I'll do some exercise. Typically, uh, Today, I did like an hour of HIIT training uh, just at home. I'm doing more of that kind of bodyweight HIIT training, just strengthening the physicality. And so typically, I'll do about an hour. The other day, I went running. 
So I would say every day, on average, one hour of something physical, sweat gets my body moving, wakes me up. You know, I don't drink coffee, so this really wakes me up and it gets me energized. And it doesn't matter whether I'm teaching, doing a 12-day event, three-day event, or working 18, 19 hours a day, sleeping three, four hours a night. I wake up and I sweat and get the body moving. Because for me, that sets the foundation for everything. Uh, and there's, I always have a feeling of if I can wake up and just conquer that, the rest of the day is kind of easy, to be honest. And for me, it cultivates a a building of trust with, with myself too, when I say I'm going to do something and I do it and my own trust with myself, you know, builds each time I follow through each time I exercise, each time I push through my own resistance. And so physical activity every morning, then I try to meditate. Uh, sometimes it happens in the morning, sometimes in the afternoon, sometimes in the evening, but meditation is, is usually part of my, my routine. I love that. I mean, that sounds like quite a routine to me. <laughs> oh, and, 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 and I always drink a green powder with protein. Ah, much happens, what's, so. what's the green powder? Do you have a brand? Uh, it's called Vitamineral, I think it's called. And, okay. and it's, it's a really, really great brand. And then I have uh, sort of a collagen protein that I take. And yeah, it sets, sets up my day. For me, these things, like I, I know people that do like really elaborate exercise routines and they're crazy and they hang upside <laughs> down and they do this sort of biohacking insanity. But what I have found is the key to health is consistency. And I think a lot of people uh, don't create sustained fulfillment, joy, happiness, success, really because they're not consistent. And so one of my secrets is consistency. It's the small things that you do every single day that over time tend to compound. And so I don't do any crazy diets. I don't do any crazy exercise. It's just consistent. I don't miss a day and it builds the foundation for my life. I absolutely love that. And I mean, that's how we build confidence, right? It's like you exactly. keep showing up for yourself. You, you keep the promises you make to yourself and exactly. you learn to trust yourself. And yep. I'm just kind of laughing a little bit because every morning I, I do a little kind of like energy reading, like, what do we need to know today? And uh, the one <clears throat> word that came in this morning that I had recorded a video about earlier today, they like was consistency like just being consistent. And that's exactly what you're talking about. So we're on the same wavelength there. Um, yeah, I love yeah, that. One, one of the things that I think they help people too is making certain things a choice to no longer be a choice. So for instance, like exercise, it's not really a choice. I made it a choice to not be a choice. So when you really commit at that level and make certain things because you know they're good for you, and even if you don't feel like it, you know how you're going to feel afterwards. And there's many moments where I don't feel like exercise and I'm not in the mood. I say, you can't let your current mood determine your action. And so when you make certain things like, okay, here are the things that make me feel great, even if they're difficult or they're challenging, and you commit to them by making them no longer a choice, no longer an option, even when your mind wavers, even when your mind says, well, we can do it tomorrow, we can do it tonight when you done well, no, it's not going to happen tonight. We can do it on Thursday. We can skip a day. All of that, number one, that subtracts from your trust, confidence account, trust account with yourself. But also uh, when, when you really make it a choice to not be a choice, when your mind wavers, should I, should I, should I, should I push this news button? If it's not a choice, your mind can do whatever it wants to do. The mind can go back and forth and make up whatever story. Deep down, you know you're going to do it. 
it's, 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 it's how it is. And so for me, that's been really helpful. Like my exercise and certain things are non-negotiable and they're not a choice. It doesn't matter how I feel. I love that. I think because also we can waste a lot of energy and time and like, you know, like just mental space in that decision. And so then when in you the decide decision. it's not even a choice, you don't have to waste that mental energy or that, that space. It's just getting done. It's like brushing your teeth. Like exactly. I don't, I don't think about it like a conscious choice. Am I going to brush my teeth? I'm going to, it's going to happen. I don't like, it just, it just happens. And it's, yeah. it's, I think it's the same kind of thing. So you don't have to waste that energy, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, love that so much. Okay. Amazing. Look at, look, we're off to a great start. Okay. Next thing is, mm. is there a current product you're really loving right now? So this could be a food product, a supplement, a book, um, uh, an essential oil, like anything physical that you're really into right now. Really into, uh, is there a current product? Must be something. There's something I'm really into. I mean, I'm always taking supplements and herbs. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I'm really into something, but I'm always <laughs> taking supplements and herbs and, you know, healthy is there, stuff. Is there a supplement or herb that... You know, you know what, I'm, what, what, I, what, I'm, what I'm really... Yeah, I guess I'm kind of into is, is, is uh, hyperbaric oxygen chamber. Mm. And so I'm doing that three times once a week, three times a month kind of thing. And uh, red light uh, photobiomodulation or like red light bed therapy. And so when you lie on a red light bed and the thing closes in your entire body yeah. instead of this red healing light that, that transmits red healing light frequencies. And so I'm, I'm kind of like experimenting with that. Uh, yeah, a lot. I love and that. I've been doing that for a while, but but these are some things that I'm I'm into for sure. What what benefits do you notice? Like, what do you notice? You know what? Time? I'll be honest. I am not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel you just feel good. <laughs> you, you know, I, I can't say. Like some people, like really feel it, and yeah. I think overall, because I am quite healthy, uh, it's not like one thing necessarily is like the killer thing. And I think so many of us were looking for the one thing that's the killer thing. And I think if you're really consistent, it's not really one thing that makes a difference. It's, it's all of these little things that compound it together, that come together to create a package, to create success. And so, you know, I, I'm a believer in the power of the small. It's the small things compounded together. And so like, you know, I do... I drink a gallon of water a day, which for me works because I swear in my, in my workout, you know, I try to stretch, I meditate, I, you know, uh, do my uh, hyperbaric, do my red light, uh, do my um, uh, ice chamber, you know, cryotherapy, uh, do my IVs. So it's all these things combined together. So it's not one thing. So I tend not to feel, and I take my supplements, my echinacea, my zinc, my you know, the list goes on. And so, to me, it, it's a lifestyle. And so I really believe there's not, it's not like there's one way to hack your way to enlightenment, to hack your way to something. It's a lifestyle that when you live it, it just becomes a part of your life. And so, yeah, it's not like this, this one thing, like I do yeah. IVs. I don't really like feel like, Oh, I feel so much energy because of how I live. I have a lot of energy just as a way of life, you know, but I believe in all these things. Totally on the same wavelength there. Love that. Okay. Next. Curious if you know this or not. It's okay if you don't. Do you know uh, any, like your astrology information or human design? 
Enneagram. I do. I, do. I am a splenic manifester in, in, in human design. I so uh, see that. Uh, splenic manifester. I uh, hope that's a good thing. For you yeah, it that. is. Uh, um, in Western astrology, I am Cancer, July 10th, um, and Capricorn Moon, and Leo Rising. I think Vedic is a little different, but yeah, love that. I'll I'll make sense. It all it all maps. Okay, cool. (laughs) Last thing is, what's a what's a topic you're really interested in right now? Something you're learning about, thinking about. Ideally, something a little bit separate from the main focus of of your work. So, just getting to know, like you know, what's on your mind? Like, what are you interested in learning about, or you're just pondering? Uh, yeah. So separate from what I what I'm what I'm mainly focused on in terms of my work and my book and what have you. Um, a couple of things. I would say um, building billion-dollar businesses and, and what that entails as it relates to studying things like cryptocurrency, studying things like uh, real estate, uh, as I'm going into you know a separate thing from what I'm doing, but building a, a real estate development business, uh, already began that. And so I'm really, uh, because I feel a, a, a sense of connection with land, the land and a sense and a nose for where a natural knack for where the things got, like, for instance, I bought land in Tulum years ago and Tulum has become quite the hotspot. And, and it has, I just, I had the sense before it happened, you know, uh, and so yeah. uh, I bought land in Joshua Tree quite a few years ago when nobody wanted to go there and you couldn't give people that. And, in, you know, and so things like these, like it, the, the place where I bought the land is become the number one hottest real estate market in California. And it was purely intuitive. And so because I ha- kind of have a a knack, maybe it's a past life knack. And so I'm really studying and getting serious about uh, real estate development and building and, you know, really doing some, some projects uh, in Joshua Tree, in Tulum, in Ghana, West Africa as well. And that's, that's kind of, kind of learned now, now putting some structure to my intuition. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I mean, there are so many ways that we can use our intuition, right? And it like really serves you in every industry. I was just in Joshua Tree two weekends ago. Uh, it was, it was amazing. It's such a, it's such a time warp there. I was only there for two days and I was like, I feel like I've been here for three weeks. It's another world. It's another frequency. It's another, it's another, it's another, it's a vortex in and of its own. That is very strange and magical and mystical and and different. It's different. Yeah, it's so. very different. And there's definitely a lot of activity <laughs> <laughs> going sure. on astrally, but yeah. Well, I am curious, like with your intuition mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, being a speaker, like, have you mm-hmm. always been very intuitive or how was that like developed? Uh, yeah. For you? Yeah. I, I was always a very, uh, as a kid, you know, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese, grew up in London. And I was always a very empathetic kid. So I would feel people very deeply. And it wasn't like a conscious thing, like feeling. I just feel people's emotions and feelings and suffering. And I think there was always a part of me that wanted to alleviate people's pain in some way. 
And I didn't know what that would look like, age six, age seven, age eight. And so there was always a, a maybe being a cancer, I'm not sure. My mother being very sensitive and, and, and having a kind of relationship with my mother where I was very, I was kind of like her caretaker as a child, which is not the greatest dynamic, but one of the gifts in that it made me very in tune and sensitive to her feeling and, and her, like I could feel before I even got into the room, how she was feeling. I could feel her across the house, you know? And so it made me very in tune with my feeling, her feeling, and there's gifts in that and pros and cons. And so in that sense, I think I've been, I've been, yeah, I've been in tune with feelings, intuition in a deep way. And I think throughout my life, I've just, from a young age, I've endeavored to follow my intuition, even if it didn't make sense. And even when people thought I was crazy and because I've done that, uh, and when I haven't done that is when shit hits the fan and doesn't work out. And so maybe also having enough pain of not doing that and being betrayed and, you know, things falling apart. And so when I've done that, the more I've done that, even if it didn't make sense in the moment, when things came around and then clicked, I would go, oh, this is why I felt that feeling. And so that gave me more and more and more courage. I would say to follow the invisible and tangible intuitive sense without needing to question it, without needing to uh, understand it. I think one of the things we have to give up around intuition is the need to constantly understand everything. The mind constantly wants to understand, well, what does this mean? Uh, how does it mean? And we don't realize that the mechanism that often tries to even understand our intuition is beyond our logic. Our intuition is beyond our understanding. I think we all have the same intuitive capacity, but because of conditioning, pain, trauma, hurt, childhood conditioning, stuff we went through, we may have shut down part of that access, shut down part of that opening, that connection, but it's there. We all have it. We all are intuitive. Some people say, oh, that person's so psychic. Well, so are you, so are you, and so are. So we all, as children, we feel. Before the process of getting so conditioned, we feel. And so um, one of the things that has helped me is giving up the need to constantly understand what everything means. Because often the mechanism that tries to make sense of, what does this mean? What does it turn left? Why am I going to turn left? Why call that person? Well, you know, before you know, we talk ourselves out of it, but also the mind, which is conditioned from the past, will often interpret intuition in a completely opposite way. And so I think part of it is the willingness to allow things to not make sense to the mind and, and trust and follow it because I think intuition arises from a deeper part of us. It arises from that unconditioned part of us that has a different feeling than analysis and thinking and even emotion. And so when we follow that, I think our intuition has an intelligence. And so I've just followed it enough to see like, wow, I had no idea where this was going, but it ended up somewhere pretty freaking ama amazing. That's how I bought my land in Joshua Tree following an intuition, 40 acres, right? Following an intuition and never having been there in 2014, 15. And one thing led to the next thing. Nope, nope. I didn't go into it with an intention. I'm going to buy land in this middle of nowhere where I've never been before. And, and what am I going to do there? And I just followed it, which led me to an architect, which led me to his real estate agent, which led me to her. And I looked at everything, for example, and I'm just following the intuition. He showed me all of this land. I'm like, nah, I'm not going to, what am I going to move here to Joshua Tree? What the hell? You know, I'm a city guy. And 
right before I was about to go home, he said, ah, oh, there's this one piece of land, there's 40 acres. I should just take a look on our way home. And I'm thinking to myself, what the hell do I need 40 acres? The moment I went on it, I, I, I stood on the land, felt that feeling, you know, that, that inch, like, oh shit. <laughs> this is calling me. Like, it makes no sense, but it's calling me. And so for me, it's always been trusting and fat feeling, trusting that sense. Yeah. I mean, it's like, how do you know when you're in love? You just know, you know, like you just know. And people will ask me like, well, how do you trust it? And I'm always like, well, at a certain point, you just, you just decide to like take the leap and then you get enough evidence that every time you do follow that bit, it, it works itself out. And I have always been someone who my life doesn't make sense to anybody. (laughs) Why why are you doing that? Because I really just, I've always just kind of listened to my intuition. Uh, and I think this conversation around intuition and courage is really interesting because sometimes I will make decisions and people will say, wow, I can't believe you did that. That was so brave. And I'm like, it didn't feel like courage to me though, because (laughs) it doesn't actually feel, I mean, there is technically a choice, but for me, when I'm tuning into my intuition and feeling the intensity of that, like in my body and just that knowing it, it's not a real choice. Like I'm not going to choose the thing that would be betraying this inner knowing within me. So it it doesn't feel like it actively requires courage for me because it's like, there really is no other way. I I, I have to follow this. I just know. Does that make sense? Yeah. And you know, you cannot follow it, but it, it, it ends up being painful and taking a lot of energy, which some of us often do, right. Which mm-hmm. is when we do that, life doesn't flow. And I think that's why for many of us, life doesn't flow or stay stagnant or gets blocked or because, you know, to me, it's kind of like life has an intelligence. It has a frequency. It has an intelligence. And it's like, a have you ever seen a river that it doesn't look like it's moving, but it's moving in a kind of direction, very gently. When you look closely, you see that it's kind of moving. And so I think the energy of life, we really let go of preconceived ideas of what we think it should be. You can kind of feel where the flow is moving. You can kind of feel like the flow is moving here. And I think when we can follow that flow, as you're saying, it Life flows, nature flows, nature supports us, you know, and then we, we end up allowing, we end up allowing life to lead us. And I think that's, that's a key point to like, what would it be like to let life lead you rather than your mind, rather than your ego, rather than your personality, because the mind can't see the total picture, you know? So I think we have to be willing to embrace the unknown because here's the thing. The mind is always trying to figure everything out. And we're constantly trying to know what everything means, what everything is. And even when we think we know, even when we think we know, many times we just had the illusion of knowing we really did it. Like we think, I met my soulmate. This is the person. And it turned out not to be. And we were so sure in that moment. And we thought we knew, but it really wasn't. It was just the necessary learning in the evolution of our souls in this lifetime. And so... I tell people don't be so attached to thinking that you know what something is and isn't and embrace the unknown and the degree to which you can embrace the unknown, live in the unknown is the degree to which you will experience freedom. And then you're really open to allowing life, 
this intelligence of life that has been around for billions and billions and billions of years that is functioning me, you, the stars, all of existence, then we can allow life to manifest and show us and function and reveal itself and guide us. So we, I, I really believe that we don't have to know where we're going in order to get to exactly where we need to be. And then we actually don't put limitations on life. Like, this is what this is. And this is what's going to happen. And this is what this relationship is. Versus like true openness. Committing when necessary, but saying, I'm open. I'm available. I'm kind of curious where this, this decision is going to lead me. You know, and so like you, many times I've been in a moment where something tells me, turn left, go here, go there. People will say, why are you going there? I have no freaking idea. <laughs> And they're like, really? I said, I have no idea. All I know is this guidance telling me to go in that direction. You know? And so I think then we're, then, then we're open to infinite possibilities and miracles happening because we're no longer limited to our mind's projection. And the mind can only project into the future based on the path, based on experience. And so when we live in that openness, it doesn't mean sit there and do nothing. It means, as you're saying, follow your guidance, take the action, go in the direction, make that phone call, follow the that, take the action in the direction that you feel called, but you're not limited to a past idea or thought or experience. So if you've ever seen me with a suitcase, you know I don't pack light because anywhere I go, I literally fill half my suitcase with boxes of element. I'm not joking. I just got back from Santa Fe as I record this. I was there for a week. It was amazing and literally lived off element. I feel like whenever I travel, it just deepens my appreciation for element electrolytes. So hard to find a clean electrolyte. And this is why I'm obsessed with element. There's no added sugar, artificial ingredients or coloring, and it tastes delicious. It took me a long time to figure out that a lot of the weird symptoms I was dealing with, like headaches and cravings, always being hungry, retaining water in my legs, feeling exhausted and not sleeping well, were all electrolyte imbalances. And if you're on a whole foods-based diet, if you're on a low-carb diet, if you exercise a lot, if you're pretty active, if you do a lot of energy work, if you're doing a lot of vibrational shifting and energy work in that aspect, you gotta pay attention to your electrolytes. There's a reason why intuitives and energy healers drink a ton of water and are living off of electrolytes. I feel like my body doesn't even absorb water unless I have electrolytes in there. And I'm not on a low carb diet anymore. I used to do keto, low carb. I'm I'm on a very high carb diet, but it's whole foods based. And I swear adding an element has totally changed my life. It's also a must for travel, shifting elevation. I keep multiple packs in my purse at all time. I keep them in my car. They're everything. There's a reason why element is chosen by Navy SEALs teams. US Olympics teams, NFL teams, NBA players, and everyday health and wellness junkies. I'm going to be honest, the main reason why I even tried these to begin with was because the co-founder Rob Wolf is somebody that I've always trusted. He's somebody who really got me into paleo and the whole foods-based movement. And I know how deep in the science he is and how picky he is about ingredients and how particular he is in terms of his own performance. And that's why I ended up trying them. Before that, I was really not into electrolytes and I immediately got hooked. If you haven't tried Element yet, you need to get your hands on them. My favorite flavors are the citrus salt, the watermelon, and the raspberry. They're so good, and I also put the chocolate in my coffee every day. It's incredible. 
So if you want to try these out, you can get a free sample pack. You just pay shipping, which is about $5 for us orders. If you go to drinkelement.com slash CTC, and that's spelled D R I N K L M N T.com slash CTC. That will get you a sample pack that has eight packets, two citrus, two raspberry, two orange, and two unflavored. Just pay shipping and you can try them out risk-free. And after you get your sample pack, be sure to tag me on social media and let me know what your favorite flavor was. I always say you can't plan miracles. <laughs> you know, you can't you can't plan for them. I think a lot of people hear this and they're like I I want to let life lead me and I don't want to unintentionally limit myself, but I'm really struggling knowing what is my soul versus what is my ego. You know, and I think people understand this idea of like okay, I get that if I follow my intuition, I'm going to just be led and, and I can step into that openness and curiosity, but I think that people get so in their heads and they're like is that is that me? Or is that my intuition? Is that, is that my ego or is that my soul? Like, like what, what is that? And so for people who are in that place where they're struggling to like, kind of tune into what's what, what advice would you have? You know, if you're having to think it and think it and think it, overthink it and overthink it and overthink it, is it, is it, is it, then, then that's definitely your mind. Yeah. You know? <laughs> There's definitely, is it, is it, the, the very thing that is doing that is your ego itself. And just to clarify to me, ego isn't good or bad. Just to clarify, you don't have to annihilate your ego. You don't have to destroy your ego. Even the drive to destroy your ego can in and of itself be ego. I think part of what helps is just the understanding of what ego is and moving into right relationship with ego is part of the freedom. The relationship with ego is part of the freedom. As human beings, we're souls, we incarnate into this human experience. We all have ego. The challenge is when we live limited or we suffer, ego has us. But we all have ego. I have an ego. You have an ego. Dalai Lama has an ego. If you say, hey, Dalai Lama, he will turn around. He wouldn't be able to do that if there wasn't some level of ego there. So ego is the vehicle, so to speak, that we use to function in this human three-dimensional domain. And so ego isn't necessarily like a thing. Here's a phone. Here's a pen. It's like ego, you know? And we, <laughs> we, and we, we talk about ego like it's this little teddy bear thing that just sits there. Ego is really a process. It's the process of identification identifying as body, name, form, religion, belief systems, memories, et cetera, et cetera. And the degree to which we identify with ourselves as this structure is the degree to which we are in ego and the degree to which we live in ego and the degree to which it can control us. So just to break it down a bit more in terms of kind of a simplistic view of how it comes together, when we're born as children, we're born free. You know, you look at a child, a child, when they're babies, they're just full of divine energy, full of light, full of, full of essence. They're not so conditioned. The child doesn't have this fear. You look into a child's eyes, we're all reminded of our souls. A child is in touch with their souls, with their pure divine light. A child will jump on the table naked. It doesn't care. It doesn't care. Am I fat? Do I look good? Let me take a picture. It's just being what it is, right? It's not say I need a filter on that. You know, a child will sing and it doesn't care if it can't sing like Bruno Mars or Adele. 
a child is just being whatever it is until we start getting taught, ah, you're fat. You're not this. You're not pretty. You're not good enough. You're not that. You should be more this. You're too short. You're too this. Then we start getting conditioned or you can't sing. Then we start getting self-conscious. So as children, we, we are these infinite beings, pure, unconditioned soul essence, just being what we are, full of joy, no fear. I was at a friend's birthday party yesterday. There was this baby running around the house, running around with, like without an ounce of fear. It was going to hit his head. It didn't care. It felt the, the kid fell down on the floor because it fell off the couch and it sat there and it like cried for a second and it jumped up and started running around again. Like, you know, this is what we were. So what happens and how does ego start getting created? We're born. We meet our parents, you know, our parents, they're just doing the best that they can do based on their childhood, their upbringing, their conditioning. So we're born into a framework, right? And a pattern of conditioning. We're born into a preset framework, this some of which is dysfunctional. And maybe our parents were abusive. Maybe they were fighting all the time. Maybe they divorced. Maybe there was mental health issues, alcoholism, addiction. Maybe they were nice people, but they just didn't know how to meet our needs, so to speak. You know, so emotionally it was painful. So two things happen where ego starts to get created. First thing is we often unconsciously learn a certain defense mechanism to shut down, disconnect, not feel because it was too painful when dad was screaming or parents were fighting or mom was an alcoholic or dad had, you know, mental health issues. That was too painful for our sensitive beings. So we started learning all sorts of mechanisms to shut down, disconnect, not feel, shut down, disconnect, not feel, suppress those feelings, suppress those emotions, erecting all sorts of defense mechanisms and walls so that we don't have to feel the pain of what's going on around. We start desensitizing ourselves from feeling. And now we start disconnecting from our essence and all those unfelt feelings begin to cover up our true light, our true soul, our true essence, which is always there. And then we also begin losing touch with some of our own feeling intuitive capacity. And so that's the first thing. Then we start learning the sense of who do I need to be in order to get love, validation, and approval. You know, maybe dad says, girls don't act that way. Or boys don't cry. And so we, again, start contorting ourselves into a shape, becoming who we think we need to be in order to be loved, to be validated, to be approved, to fit in. It's survival mechanism. And so we contort ourselves to avoid pain. We contort ourselves to get love, validation, approval. We develop a role, a mask, a persona. We become a version of ourselves that is patterned. And we actually then, this gets reinforced. This version of ourselves gets reinforced. And we think that who we become is who we are. And we really believe ourselves to be like, ah, this is just the way I am. I am this way. We often say, oh, I'm just shy. I'm just angry. I'm just independent. I'm just, you know, fill in the black for me as a young kid. My father's a preacher. My father was a minister. My father's a healer. I had 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa. I thought I needed to be the nice kid, the good boy, the all-A student, the perfect son, the caretaker of everyone. Right. And so I developed my own roles and masks and personas that were reinforced that got me love, validation, and approval. And we don't realize in doing that, we betray parts of ourselves. And so the more tightly we hold, we we get, we get, we hold on to this way of being that we think we are, the more ego gets reinforced. And we hold tightly, tightly. And then we live this way 
and we even succeed this way and we get love this way and we go through life this way at age five, age 10, age 15, age 20, age 30, age 40. The challenge is it worked for us when we were five, but maybe by 25, 30, 33, 35, these egoic ways of defending ourselves and functioning and surviving start limiting us. They start getting in the way of our capacity to feel, to heal, to transform, to love, to let love in, to be loved, to be intimate, to give our gifts with the world. And so ego is the mechanism of conditioning and how we tightly hold onto ourselves. And so when we can recognize that and be aware, like, ah, ego is not who I am. We think it's who we are. Challenge two is society, media advertising, you know, retailers, government, religious systems, all of this tends to seduce, hypnotize, and program us to believe that we are this ego structure. You're this body, you're this ego, you're this persona, you're this thing, you're this, and you're not enough. So if you just like buy this phone, drink this drink, and you know, wear this underwear, and you go to this school, then you're going to finally be enough. And so we have to start realizing oh, I'm, I'm not this set of patterns, this ego. I'm not the ego. I'm not those thoughts. I'm not my mind. I'm not my feelings. I'm not this body. It's not who I am. When we start realizing that, we can start changing and shifting our relationship with ego. Not as bad, but just recognizing it for what it is the set of pattern conditioning that we learn to be. It has its place, then we can start loosening its grip and allowing, allowing, you know, more of the light of our soul to shine through. And so the degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we're not free. And the degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to, to which we're not free to choose and respond and truly create our reality. It's interesting because when you're like kind of listing off those ages, you said 33 and that just kind of sparked something for me because I find that that's a really common age where people sort of have this aha moment of I've lived my life. I've, I've built this thing, this business. Uh, I have all these friends and I feel trapped in my own life and I feel unfulfilled and everything that I thought I wanted, everything that I thought was going to make me feel successful. I I don't feel that way. And I'm here. And it's interesting just because I find that happens so often for people at 33. And I saw that was interesting mm-hmm. that, you, that you said that age specifically in there. And I think a lot of people hit that moment where they're like, I don't feel fulfilled. I, I realize like I'm not living the truth of who I am, but I don't even know who that is. And so when you're at that space, like how do you even start to learn that or figure that out? Like who, who am I really? That's the question. Who am I? So here's, where we can start? It's a great question. You don't have to know and you don't have to have the answer, but we do have to have the courage, which a lot of us don't. We do have to have the courage to ask the question, who am I really? And what am I really? And one of the things that keeps us stuck and one of the things that stops us from breaking through and transforming and shifting and getting out of that cycle are all the ways that we lie to ourselves as human beings because of the reasons I shared in terms of condition we lie to ourselves all the time consciously or unconsciously as a way of reinforcing keeping ourselves safe keeping our identity safe and 
it only keeps us stuck. To me, there is no transformation without truth. The willingness to tell ourselves the raw, the real, the authentic truth about who we are, about what we want, about what we feel. We often, as human beings, have a fear, which we learn from a very young age. If I really show myself, if I really speak my truth, if I really am myself, which is why we end up being something that we're really not to get love, if I really am myself, then you won't love me. And we've been taught this from a young age. And so telling the truth can be a little scary because shit, how will I, how will I survive if I tell the truth? How will I get love? How will I get validation if I tell the truth? How will I function? And so we stay in relationships that we know aren't right. We work jobs that we know might betray our truth for survival, for security, that we know this is not the reason why we were born. And that pain eats us up inside each and every day. And so when we lie to ourselves, it is painful. When we lie to ourselves, it's meant to be painful. You're not meant to lie to yourself. I'm like, I feel great. I'm lying to myself. No, the fact that you feel pain is is a sign that you're healthy. You know, the fact that you feel pain is a sign that this alarm system inside of you is working. You're not meant to feel like to betray yourself and feel good. And the challenge is as human beings in our culture, we feel pain. We're not, we're not, we're not taught to, to acknowledge pain. We're not taught to feel pain. We're taught to suppress pain. And so like, oh, you, you watch an advertising uh, an advertisement on TV, you feel pain. You don't feel great. Pop a pill, take this pill, buy this thing, drink this thing, smoke this thing, you know, do this thing, just go and travel, go here, buy whatever. But we're not taught, oh, you feel pain? Let's just be with that for a second. Pain is a signal. Pain is a blessing. Pain is your friend. Pain is simply giving you feedback of a part of you that needs your attention, a part of you that you need to course correct, a part of you that maybe you're not acknowledging. It's bringing your, the issue isn't the pain. The issue is what we do with it. The challenge is we tend to drink it away, smoke it away, sex it away, drug it away, social media it away, you know, eat it away, travel it away, and we don't deal with the pain. The pain is a blessing. And so the first question I think people can ask, if you're 33, 43, 50, it doesn't matter, 23, you know, it doesn't really matter, 27, 37, it doesn't matter what age, at any moment, if you're really committed, and the commitment has to be real because you have to want the truth more than you want what you want. You have to want the truth more than you want that relationship, more than you want that safety. And many times we just want that safety more than we want to be free. And so one question I would ask before I even ask you the question, a question before the question is, what do I want more than anything else? Here's a question I ask people in my seminars all the time. What do you want more than anything else? Because we say we want to transform. We say we want to be free, but no, 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 no. I want to be free, but let me hold on to this situation and this relationship and this thing that's not working. doesn't work. Freedom is not free. Freedom will require that you release and you let go of what's no longer aligned. Freedom will require that you release and let go of those patterns, that addiction, that way of being, that story, that identity that's no longer aligned. The next level of your life requires the next level of you, which requires that you release and let go 
of what's no longer aligned, those people, those friends, that job, fill in the blank so that you can make space. So the first question is, what lies am I telling myself? Simple question. What lies am I telling myself? Simple, but not always easy. I say, look, happiness is simple. Feel the truth, tell the truth, acknowledge the truth, speak the truth, live the truth, end of story. Truth is real spiritual practice. Truth is real yoga. Truth is real meditation. You know, you can stop meditating, stop praying, stop visualizing, stop doing all of that. Just start telling the truth. Life is going to shift and transform radically in a big way. Because if we're lying to ourselves, but we're now doing these great visualizations, nothing's going to shift. Truth is the foundation. It will set you free. It's the real path to healing. And so what lies am I telling myself? I would also just tell people, Take the pressure off of yourself from having to even take action. Because sometimes we, we won't even let ourselves tell ourselves the truth because we're like, oh shit, if I tell myself the truth, I might have to get a divorce. I might have to do something about it. And so we play this game of confusion. Like, I'm not really sure. I don't really know. And so take the pressure off of yourself from having to do something about it and just acknowledge the truth. Truth might sound like I'm not in love. I, I'm not in love. I haven't been in love. I'm no longer in love. This relationship is no longer right. It's not right. It hasn't been right for five years. You don't have to end it. You don't even have to leave. Just get into relationship with the truth and see how that feels and let that process start marinating. I hate my job. You don't have to leave it immediately. Take the pressure off, but just feel the truth. Feel the relationship of that energy inside of your being. Just ignore, you can't change reality if, you, if you're not willing to acknowledge reality. And so truth is the start. What lies am I telling myself? Number two, what am I pretending to not know? We play the game of confusion. Look, I, I don't really know if this relationship is right for me. I'm not really sure if, I don't know what my purpose is. When deep down, we know. We have an inkling. We, maybe we don't know the details, but we have a sense. And sometimes as human beings, we play the game of confusion because like, if I'm confused and I don't, let's say, I don't know what my purpose is, then I don't have to really take action. I don't have to risk the failure. I can always stay in the comfort of the future, the hope of the future fantasy, of the possibility of that dream I have without having to risk. So confusion is a smokescreen, a protective mechanism that we sometimes play as human beings when deep down, there's a part of us, talked about intuition in the beginning, there's a part of us that knows everything. Because at the deepest level, we are everything. We, like, like for instance, maybe folks listening in, you've been in a relationship and maybe you weren't sure, is this right? Is it not right? Should I stay right? Maybe you've had this experience. You know, and, and, you know, should I stay? Is he right? Is it right? Is she right? I'm like, what should I do? And, you, and you, 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 you sort of burned your friend's ears for years. Like, should I stay? Your friends were like, come on, it's obvious. Like, I don't know, but maybe they've got... And the moment you had the courage to break up with that person, you said to yourself, I knew that was not right. I knew it. You knew deep down, we knew. But it takes the courage, you know? And so with... Truth comes of responsibility. With power comes responsibility. Sometimes we're afraid to own that responsibility because now we'll have no one else to blame. So what am I pretending to not know? Number three, what is the lies that I'm telling myself 
costing. What is it costing? Connected to what I said earlier about pain. When we lie to ourselves, it's painful. So be willing to feel like, don't distract from the pain. Don't busy yourself so that you don't feel. Sometimes we busy ourselves because we know, shit, if I don't busy myself, I'm going to get in touch with the truth. And so we keep busying ourselves. Don't be, feel, let yourself feel the pain. Not to wallow in it, but just so that that can stir something, can stir some movement. Feel the pain. Feel the cost. Because there's no refunds in life. And so feel that. That can begin a process of movement inside. So those are three steps. I call it like a truth process to get really real with the truth will set you free. My first piss you off, my first upset you, but it will set you free. Oh my gosh. Yes to all, yes to all of that. You know, and I think I, I really feel like one of the big blocks is, is relationships because people Ooh. are afraid to release relationships and relationships. And as soon as you admit to yourself, yes. this isn't working or this is how I really feel, then you know that it's right in front of you. And I know as soon as I really let myself know something consciously, I can't just not take action. Like it's like sticking out like a sore thumb at that point, you know, but then we face oh my gosh, I'm afraid to release this relationship or what's going to happen like on the other side of that. And I think that's something that holds a lot of people back is just the fear of, you know, losing relationships, releasing relationships. I think that's probably a, the big one that people are, it's a coming up for people of how it's yeah. going to affect other people. Yeah. Look, I believe, here's what I found. The truth always serves everybody. I agree. Even, even if it doesn't seem that way in the moment. And so when you speak the truth, and I'm not talking about the truth, like, hey, I think you're fat. No, 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 no. That's not, that's not what we're talking That's superficial. You know, hey, I think you're, no, 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 no. I think you're an idiot. I think you're this. I think you're stupid. No, no, that's just judgment. That's just projection. But when, if you're like, you know, I don't think this relationship is right for me. And that's true. And that's authentic. And that's truly sincere. Not your fear, but your truth. Deep down, you've soul searched. Yes. The truth serves everybody. And when you speak the truth, it may not seem that way at first, but if you speak your truth and it's authentic, it might be hard. It might be difficult, but I have found that it will likely take you and the other person on the necessary journey that your soul needs to go on. And by not speaking the truth, you rob yourself and you rob that person on the journey that they go on. And sometimes I hear people say, wow, because of that breakup, because of that breakup, it took me on a healing journey. Because of that breakup, it made me grow up and find myself. Because of that breakup, it took me to therapy and really heal those traumas that were getting in the way and my own fears. And so the truth serves everyone. And I think real love, real love is, is not giving, just giving people what they want, but real love is a commitment to serving someone's soul. A commitment to serving someone's soul. And I think if we can reframe and recontextualize relationships for a moment. I think it gives us a different understanding of relationships and breakups and, you know, the truth around that, because look, we, first and foremost, when we understand that we are souls, we're souls in, having a human experience. Yes. We're souls and we're having this human experience and we incarnate into this human experience in order to learn, to grow, to evolve, to realize more of who we, we really are then life is the school for our soul's evolution. And every single situation, every single experience, every single relationship is part of your soul's curriculum. And so in relationship, 
you attract to you someone, another person, who is a mirror manifestation of yourself. A mirror manifestation in that particular moment, a vibrational match, a mirror manifestation in that particular moment of an aspect of yourself or some part of yourself that you most need to face, confront, heal, release, learn from, integrate, make peace with. They're showing you something about yourself that you need to integrate, maybe an aspect of yourself that you've disowned or something in yourself that you need to embrace. And usually you attract someone because you're a vibrational match and maybe you're going in a similar direction. And there's usually certain lessons, karma, lessons that you and that person need to work out in that particular moment, which is why you attracted each other to each other in that moment, some healing. And so when we understand that we're souls, then we start understanding the real purpose of relationship. In Hollywood, you know, I'm in LA, you've lived in LA, you're in San Diego now, but you know, we're so this Hollywood version, boy meets girl, rides off on a horse and a white horse into the moon forever. It's like Hollywood, yay, you know? But it's not really like that. It's never like that. To me, the real purpose of relationship is evolution. The evolution of your soul. And when you understand that, the success of relationship is not just how long you stay together. The success of relationships, because I know people that stay together 80 years for their entire lives and they're miserable, they're not growing, they're not evolving, and they've become worse off, worse, worse people, right? To me, the real purpose of relationship is evolution. The degree to which you grow, the degree to which you evolve, the degree to which you learn those lessons for why you and that person attracted each other, and the degree to which you realize the truth of who you are. And so, Shit is going to come up in a relationship that's normal because your patterns will come up and that's part of the lesson, that's part of the healing opportunity. And so I believe that when either two people are either going in such a different direction because you're no longer a vibrational match, you have different wants, different needs, you've changed in such a different direction, or you have learned, you fulfilled your karma and you've learned the lessons that you needed to learn with that person. It's possible that the classroom is finished. It's possible. And, and, and that's not a bad thing, right? We view it as a bad thing. Like, no, I want to be with them forever. But sometimes when the classroom is finished, the classroom is finished, right? Because you've learned the lesson. Like none of us are, you know, uh, uh, you and I, we're not sitting here going, no, take me back to like grade 12 in high school. I never want to leave my high school because I had the best high school teacher. It's sad. But high school is finished now and it's time to graduate to the next level. And so to me, relationships are like that. That doesn't mean you can't be with someone forever if that's part of your karma, your destiny, and you're growing, you're both, you both have an understanding of the evolutionary nature of relationship and you're both growing at a similar rate, at a similar pace, with a similar intention and supporting each other in that journey and continually evolving and learning new lessons. Sure, you, it's potential that you could go forever, but I think we need to shift and expand our frame of success around relationships. And so sometimes breakups can be a beautiful blessing and breakups can be a graduation. And that sometimes requires that we speak the truth. So let's, let's celebrate like, hey, we fulfilled our classroom together and let's bless each other. Let's speak the truth with love to each other. And forms might change, right? So everything changes in this three-dimensional world. We live in a realm of duality. Forms are always changing. I think the Buddha said, don't take it from me. The Buddha said the nature of life is impermanent. You know, take it from the Buddha. If that's enough credibility, life is impermanent. Life is constant change. So all forms are going to change. 
But the love, the real love, doesn't have to change. And I think as human beings in relationship, we get so attached to the form, we should be attached to the loving. When we're attached and committed to the loving, then when the forms change, the loving can continue. The loving can only expand. And even though the relationship might change form, that doesn't mean the loving has to stop. It just changes form, changes expression. I love that so much. I mean, it goes back to where <laughs> we unintentionally limiting ourselves because we're yes. holding on to the old form. It's it's yes. just a different version of that. And what I hear in everything you're saying is just different expressions of surrender, like surrendering to your truth. How do you access truth? It is, mm. it is to surrender, surrendering to the mission, surrendering to how the divine wants to move through you. Right. Yes. And I feel like, well, I know you're like such a living manifestation of, of surrender and from so many different aspects in, uh, you know, choosing your truth and choosing your mission. And even just in being a speaker, like mm. you have to surrender to get out of the way and just let it move through you. You know, there's all those different forms of, of surrender. And, um, I know that's, you know, what your book is all about. And I would love to hear from you, like, what does surrender really mean to you? Sure. Uh, yeah, I think in our culture, uh, and we've been talking about it in different ways, but just directly speaking, I think there's so many misconceptions in our culture of what surrender is. We have this idea that we've been conditioned to believe that surrender is weak, that surrender is passive, that it means giving up, it means waving the white flag. But to me, you know, we feel that if we surrender, we won't manifest our goals, dreams, and desires, that we're going to get left behind, that we're going to be a doormat, you know, that we that we will manifest, we'll get less in life. And I'm actually saying that surrender is the most powerful thing that we can do as human beings. Surrender is the password to freedom. That surrender is the key to next level manifestation. That all of the great ones, Jesus, Buddha, Gandhi, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, Bob Marley, uh, Martin Luther King, Mother Teresa, Elon Musk even, they all had to surrender themselves to life, to the vision, to their souls, to, to their deeper intelligence. And so surrender really is about, what if you surrender and you didn't get less, but you got more, more than you could have planned with your logic, with your, with your mind, with your personality, and with your ego? What if you actually got more? And so surrender is about letting go of control, or at least the illusion of control that we think that we have. If you look at the last few years, we realize maybe we're not as in control as we thought. And so it's letting go of this illusion of control, control being a master addiction, the master addiction. Surrender is when we stop trying to force life to fit into our limited idea or, or manipulate life to fit into our limited idea of how we think it should be. Surrender is when you let go of the idea of who you think you should be and how you think life should look so that you can truly just open yourself to the life that is seeking to express through you, the intelligence of life, the magic that is seeking to express through you. And so it's living with openness, it's living with availability, it's taking the limits off of life and being fully available and open, moving in the direction of your deeper soul's calling without attachment, being fully available and open. To me, then there's no limits. You're not putting any limits on life and then you're fully open to the magic. And that's why the book's called The Magic of Surrender. You know, not like David Copperfield, but like the magic of surrender. The magic being 
that which is beyond your logic, that which is beyond your mental capacity to conceive your life, magic, more joy, more abundance, like miraculous, like epic, beyond what you could imagine for yourself, right on that poster board, visualize, beyond, like Mandela lived a magical life. There's no way you could have planned, like, yeah, I'm going to spend 26 years in prison, then I'm going to come out, then I'm going to be the president, then I'm going to live this epic legacy. Like, you can't plan that. That is it's beyond the ego. And I'm inviting all of us to live that, moving from an ego-based life to a soul-based life, which is all about surrender. And so we all want magic in our lives. But we don't want to surrender. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, I want magic, but I'm going to hold on to who I am and hold on to my old belief systems, hold on to my traumas, hold on to my old relationships, which don't work. But, you know, when my soulmate shows up, then I'm going to let this person go. Does it work that way? If you want magic, you've got to surrender what's no longer alive. And to me, that's the, that's the beauty and that's the invitation. And I really believe then you start living an infinite life. The old paradigm Last thing I'll say, the old paradigm is really an ego-based model for creation, which is all about what do you want? Get, clear, get clarity on what you want. And it's good. You, you can create a good life that way. But sometimes, you know, the, the you, the I, is limited. It's conditioned. And so we're not always, sometimes what we think we want is just what we thought we wanted based on who we thought we were. And sometimes we get what we thought we wanted only to realize it's not what we really wanted. And many of our goals can end up being projections of unmet needs from childhood. And unmet need, like I didn't feel enough as a kid. So if I can just have that body get, be, win that Oscar, drive that Lamborghini, then I'm going to be enough. It doesn't bring us fulfillment. And so the shift in surrender is a different question I want people to consider. The shift is asking, not just like, what do I want? It's a decent question, but it's asking the question, what is it that lies? wants to express what is it that the universe wants to express through me and what is it that life wants to the deepest impulse of what life wants to manifest through me and just allowing yourself to be fully open and available to that then you can align your actions your thoughts your feelings your plan your strategy around the most authentic impulse of your soul and then move into action and that's i think when Miracles happen, you know, beyond what we can expect. To me, that's what it is to surrender. I love that so much. And for context, I would love, like, can you share how, how that showed up in your own life, like with your own life path? And cause I know, uh, you know, when you were younger, you were kind of expected to go in one direction and yeah. you went in another. And then I know you <laughs> had like this big TV show opportunity. And like, I, I kind of want to hear about that for some context sure. people. Cause like you, you live this, you're not just saying yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. Look, look, just also as an example, I, I'm constantly living it and living yeah. deeper dimensions of surrender. And so like, so the magic of surrender was not the book I thought I was going to write. It was not the book I wanted to write, to be honest. I wanted to write another book. And so sometimes we have ideas as to who we think we should be and what we think we should do. Life has a different plan. And so I could have force-fed life the book I wanted to write, but it wouldn't have been authentic. It wouldn't have been true. You know, I can speak about it for me with, with just such joy and truth because it's real for me, you know? And so, 
Yeah, my path was set out for me as a kid. My father's a healer. My father's a minister. I grew up seeing blind people see and deaf people hear. My father built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa. I started speaking in my father's church when I was age eight. Age 14, I was ordained as a minister. And I was given the mandate to take over my father's you know, church, my father's like operation, basically. And I knew from a very young age that that wasn't my path. I knew when it was announced and I was 14, and all of these hopes, dreams, and, 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 and expectations on me, I was like, oh, shit, because I knew that this is not my truth. And I was too afraid to speak my truth because my fear was if I spoke my truth, I'd be outcast. You know, I'd, be, I'd, I'd lose my father's love. And so it took me four years to muster up the courage to own my truth, to speak my truth in the way I've shared, and to communicate that to my father. Uh, but I looked into my, and I felt called to come to America. I wanted to come to America to meet mentors and teach. all of the folks that I'd read about, you know, who wrote these self-help books, Chopra and Louise Hay and Marianne Williamson, all these folks lived in Southern California. And so I wanted to come and find these people and learn from them and go into this field. And I was terrified because I knew what I was going to have to do, which was speak to my father. And I looked into my future and I I felt like I was, if I was to follow the expected path for my life, it was going to be a soul suicide. I knew my soul was committing suicide. And, I, and if I started living a lie now, I would have to live this lie my entire life. And, I, and it was so painful to feel that, that I knew what I had to do. And I could be successful by everyone else's standards, but if I didn't have my soul, if I didn't have my integrity, if I didn't have my, what, do I, what kind of success is that? that you can't be truly fulfilled and happy being someone that you're not. You can't be truly fulfilled and happy living someone else's life. And so at 18, I confronted my father. We didn't speak for two years. It was devastating. It was challenging. But I knew I was on the right path because my soul called me. And I really believe for anyone listening, if you, your job is to follow your soul, follow your known without compromise. If I promise you this, I've seen it in my life. If you follow your soul, if you follow your soul, you will always end up in the right place. Always. It may not take you the route that you expect or the roadmap that you expect, but you will end up in the right place. And sometimes things won't make sense in the moment, but at a certain point, after the fact, you'll look back and go, oh, I see why I needed to get divorced. I see why that business needed to fail. I see why I needed to be, you know, I needed to break down. I see why I needed to be homeless. I see why, because the cosmic chef, the divine intelligence, life, life was cooking me and marinating me with all these ingredients so that I would be prepared to live my vision. What if like Mandela didn't spend 26 years in prison? What if he just spent one year in prison, two weeks in prison? Would he have been the Mandela that we know? Would he have been ripened at that level to be able to serve the world? And so if we didn't go through what we went through, we wouldn't be ripened. And so for me, I left everything. Left my father's church, profoundly alone. Cut a long story short, I end up winning a green card in the green card lottery. That was confirmation for me. Like I really believe that when you follow your soul, you don't have to know how, but the universe will support you. Maybe not in the moment or the way you expect, maybe not as romantically as I'm saying, but the universe will support you in the exact way is needed. And I see, I sat there in a complete abyss. I just told my father that I'm leaving. I have no money. Only my mother supports me in terms of emotion. 
no college degree, no father support, knew no one in America. I just knew my soul was calling. And I sat there in the library at 17, 18 years old at my school. Felt so alone, felt so abandoned. I said, God, you've given me this vision. You've given me these dreams, but now you just left me in the freaking desert, you know, by myself. Like, what the hell? Like, just don't leave me here, you know? And, and I've given everything to follow my soul. But like, what do I do now? I think it was about 20 minutes later, someone hands me a magazine called The Economist. I look in the back of this magazine. It says the American government's an ad. American government's giving away 55,000 green cards in the green card lottery. I felt chills in my body and I felt the sense I'm going to win. It's crazy. Green card lottery. I mean, it's random. You're going to win. So I followed my intuition and I applied. I didn't even know if it was a scam, if it was real. I applied to the law firm. Long story short, September the 18th was the cutoff date. Every day I would visualize. Every, I cut out a piece of paper, wrote green card on it, put my name on it. Didn't know the green cards weren't green. Visualized it. The American president shaking my hand. Every day, nothing came. Nothing came. I'm getting depressed. I'm about to give up. Nothing came. I'm mad at the universe, mad at God, thinking none of this shit works. The last day, September the 18th. If I don't hear today, it's over. I, I said, I'm going to pack my bags and I'm going to the US no matter what. But that night, we get a phone call. My mother picks up the phone. There's an American voice. Hello, Mr. Blackson. Uh, this is the law firm that applied. You want a green card? And I'm jumping for joy at this moment, like screaming, like I won, this, won the Super Bowl and like I won the lottery, but I actually did win the lottery, you know? And in the moment of jubilation, I heard this voice that said, why do you sound so surprised? Why are you so shocked? You knew. You knew. And so for anyone who has dreams, please know from my heart to yours that your dreams chose you for a reason. You think you are choosing your goals and your dreams, but if it's authentic, your dreams chose you. Your dreams chose you because you are the perfect person with all of your failures and all of your traumas and all of your inadequacies and insecurities and fireballs and the shit you hate about yourself and the stuff you've been through, ups and downs, your dream said, this person is perfect. This person is the perfect person to fulfill that vision. And if that dream chose you, then that dream doesn't belong to you. It belongs to life. And so your job is to say yes to it. Your job is to surrender to it. And that's when the magic of the universe starts supporting you. So keep on the path, folks. I have a full body chills. Oh my gosh. That's such an incredible story. And it's, you know, I always say it's like when you, when you're in alignment with the mission, you will be supported. Yes. Like always yes. you will be supported because yes. you're, you're letting, you know, the divine move through you. And like it's the universe isn't going to trick you. It's not going to say, Oh, yes. go over here and then just not catch you, you know? Yes. So that really is where you access the magic. So that, yeah. that story is so incredible. Um, I mean, I could talk to you forever, uh, but <laughs> we'll do a round two at yeah, some point, yeah, I would, I would love that. And Anytime. I, I, I would love for you to share more about, um, the book and I know you're doing another, like the paperback release. So yes, can you share yes. more about yeah, that just, just, just in a nutshell. Yeah. The, the, the magic of showing the book, finding the courage to let go the subtitle, uh, cut the paperback version, special edition comes out May the 3rd folks. So, Go to Amazon, order the paperback version. Order the, you can order the hardcover, but get the paperback. And here's why. 
Um, I'm doing a very special live event and I want you there too. Okay. So I'm doing a very special live event on May the 7th. It's virtual. It's live. It's online. You can attend from anywhere. We're going to deep dive deep for about two to three hours. The event is called reinvent life. Uh, and I'm going to teach you the seven phases of how to reinvent yourself. How do you let go of the past and who you were connect with your authentic truth and power and give your gifts to the world. It's going to be a really life-changing two hour, three hour session where I'm going to just give you the best of the best of value and knowledge and take you through some powerful processes with some Q and a, we have time. And so May the 7th, 9am Pacific time. Uh, once you get the book from Amazon, you can go to this website, www.kute, my name, Blackson, B-L-A-C-K-S-O-N.com, kuteblackson.com forward slash reinvent seminar, kuteblackson.com forward slash reinvent seminar. Once you've got the book, go to that website, or you can go to that website, read about the book. But once you get the book, go to that website, enter your name, email, and receipt, and then you'll get your free ticket to attend the Reinvent Live seminar on May the 7th. So pre-order before May the 3rd. Um, and then, yeah, if people want to find out more about my work, um, kuteblackson.com, uh, Instagram, Coop Blackson, Facebook, Coop Blackson. Let me know that you uh, heard me on this podcast. Um, and yeah, if people want to go for a deep dive twice a year, I do a transformational event in Bali. The next one is July the 25th. It's called Boundless Bliss. So www.boundlessblissbali.com, where if you feel a calling to serve the world and you're ready for a breakthrough, then check it out. Amazing. We will put all of those links in the show notes. And I know people are going to be so excited to, to step into those. So uh, all of that will be in the show notes for everybody listening. And again, thank you so much for being here. This was so incredible. I just so appreciate you. Huge thank you to Coop for coming on the show and sharing so much wisdom and his incredible energy. Don't forget to get your hands on his new book, The Magic of Surrender. Links will be in the show notes and you can connect with him everywhere at Coop Blackson. So Instagram, YouTube, all of the places. If you did enjoy this episode, be sure to take a screenshot and share it to social media. Tag me, tag at Christina, the channel pod and tag at Coop Blackson. So we can see that you are listening and say thank you for tuning in and sharing the episode. That is the best way to show support for the podcast and really does mean the world when you guys share it with people that you love. And if you think that the message in here, any messages in this episode will serve anyone in your life, maybe just shoot them the link and spread a little love that way. I know it always means a lot to me when friends of mine send me links to videos or podcasts that I really need to hear in that moment. So that's just a small way you can kind of send some energy out in the world in a positive direction. All right, that's gonna be it for today's show. Thank you again so much for tuning in. I hope you have an incredible rest of your day and I will chat with you again next time.